Welcome to the place where people of faith find real answers. We believe women deserve more than just religious band-aids for their most difficult and destructive relationships. And now for today's episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. Roby had what she describes as a traumatic and abusive childhood with an alcoholic father. But despite her difficult upbringing, she felt God's call on her life to serve overseas as a missionary. I went and met my husband to be there on the field. And I had determined that I would never get married um, due to my childhood, but he felt very normal. It felt very normal. I just didn't realize that normal was a chaotic, traumatic childhood, right? It wasn't right. in my consciousness at that time. We dated six months and then we're engaged okay. and then married within six months. So it went really fast. I was in an isolated place and, you know, being overseas in which people didn't really, I didn't really have that feedback that I would have from family or friends. Right. So right. I just sort of jumped in rather, um, I feel foolishly now, but yeah. We met there. We came back to the U.S. and got married. Um, and then we went back overseas and we were married for 30 years um, on the field for 25 of that. Wow. So that made that made it difficult um, in that I was isolated and didn't know how to get help where I was. At what point did you realize that this is a destructive marriage? That is a fascinating question. I think from the get-go, I knew it was a difficult marriage. I knew it was a hard marriage. I knew that something was off in the marriage, but I don't think I realized it was destructive until I encountered Leslie Vernick. <laughs> and then I began to realize, oh, this is more. So what, what were I the thought. things that you realized, okay, this, this is a difficult marriage or this isn't you know, all the romantic ideas that maybe I had held in my head. What, mm -hmm. what were some of the issues that were uh, patterns in your marriage that you were noticing? The interesting thing is, is early on in my marriage, I'm uh, like, something is off, something's wrong. I, I, I don't know what it is. For the first five years of my marriage, my husband would tell me, you're too outgoing. You overshadow me. You talk too much. You laugh too much. People like you more than me because you were doing all these things that keep them from seeing me. So like we would do things, it'd be like, we would be doing door to door evangelism training. And he's like, you talk too much, you overshadow me. And so at the end of that five years, I felt totally lost. Like who I was, was gone, okay. that my personality was gone. Um, I was just, I felt my whole goal was to help him be seen and people to like him. It was almost like he kind of sucked who I was into him. Did you feel so that, like it was maybe a cultural thing? Because you had that cross-cultural thing. So did you think, well, maybe this is not so much a marital issue, but a cultural issue? Or did you know? Well, he, uh, my uh, ex at the time, he certainly wanted me to believe it was a cultural thing and that I needed to adjust to it. Like he wouldn't want to make eye contact with me and I, you know, I needed to adjust to it. So I thought some of it was, uh, some of it I was learning. It was not, um, I didn't think like, like for one thing, I couldn't question him. He would tell me it made him feel like a failure. So don't ask if, when you ask me questions like that, I just feel like a failure and you shouldn't make me feel that way. 
right? So I, I had enough savvy to know it was not all cultural. I, and I don't think it was. He was raised in the U.S. Um, okay. There might have been some aspects of it. that Because I was living in the culture that he his parents were from, the cultural aspects were actually easier for me to adjust to. Like I could recognize them because I was in that culture and, and realize that this is a cultural thing. Okay. Um, but, but a lot of what he was doing, he, he was just very possessive and jealous when the kids came. He was just very angry if I gave them attention. You know, there, there were so many aspects to it. So after the five-year mark, or when was this? Maybe about 10 years into it on the field, I kind of had sort of an emotional breakdown. Mm-hmm. And I had asked him all along throughout those 10 years, we need help. We need counseling. I knew this. I'm like, we, we need something. He's like, no, no, no. Let's just work it out ourselves. Right. And he would be like, yeah, but we don't need to tell family. We'll figure it out. So after about 10 years, I just couldn't handle anymore. The idea of who I was was completely gone. I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't living up to his standard. I was always failing and his standards had become my standards. This is what I need to do. This is how I need to live up to that. And I'm, I'm failing. Give me an idea of a few of the standards. For one, I wouldn't question him. If you really trusted me, you wouldn't question me. And so I'm like learning to try to listen and not question, but I, I ask questions all the time. What would you question him on that upset him? You know, we should have the team get together or, you know, we shouldn't meet with the team or something like that. And I'll say, well, would you think it'd be better for the team if we went ahead and met and talked about this? Why are you questioning me? Like, it would just be as simple as that. It really wouldn't matter. It could be like the, the kids, you know, they should go outside and play. Well, what about if we had them do their homework first and then I let them go out? Why, you know, why? It was just anything. It so so it, it, would, it could be a, a minor issue then that you were questioning. It's not like you were questioning him as a man or his. Oh, no, no, no. That's what I was trying to get at was, you know, these these were very minor questions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for example, one, I I thought of an example as you were sharing. Um, I had a girlfriend ask me to go out to lunch with her. And he and I had planned to go to Costco in the afternoon just to check it out. And he was like, well, why are you going to lunch with her? I, I, you know, I told him, I said, well, you know, I think it would be good. He said, well, we've planned to go to Costco. And I'm like, well, I don't think Costco will take that long. I mean, even if we got there at two, I mean, we're not going to spend much more than an hour there. Right. Well, well, don't question me. I, I think you should cancel your lunch because we're going to Costco. Right. And it, 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 to me, it made no sense. I'm like, but we have plenty of time to do both. And just in me having a different thought like that, there's plenty of time to do both was questioning him. So what would you do, Roby? Would you cancel or would it turn into a big argument? How did you handle those situations? Yeah, that's a great question. It, it depends. Like, so that, that incident came later in the marriage. So I think in the beginning, I would question and fight back. And then I just got pummeled verbally. So I quit speaking up and then, you know, it, it was harsh. But um, I, I also have a master's in social work. So I'm learning about boundaries and things all the time. So I'm trying to set like uh, limits and good things. So I think it, it kind of went from a cycle to, you know, it was like in the beginning, there was a lot more of questioning or asking. And then I kind of lost that and sort of more of a, uh, a silent 
person, just trying to keep, uh, trying to take care of the kids, keep them feeling good and manage all of that. And then as I began to get stronger toward the end, um, more when I was more involved with uh, Leslie's material and applying that, I began to set more limits. So with that one, I simply stated, the lunch is important to me, I'm going to go. And actually that, that argument was the catalyst for why I ended up leaving because I could see his whole face change. There was a look that came over him. I was in the bathroom getting ready and didn't have my phone or anything, but the way he looked at me, I knew that something was about to happen. So I was going to shut the door. And then he started pushing the door in on me. I was literally having to put my feet on the wall, trying to shut it. I just, something happened and and I could see that it was escalating. And so I, I stayed in the bathroom probably an hour or two before I sensed that he had calmed down. So that, that one was more toward the end. I was drawing more limits. I was uh, sleeping in a separate bedroom. And then that incident was the one that I'm like, you know, I, I need to make the plan to go. Leslie always says you can stay well or leave well. And I didn't want to leave until I knew I could leave with a compassionate attitude toward him, mm-hmm. right? That kind of attitude. And I felt that I had that, but I wanted to leave smart. You know, I wanted to have things in place. I wanted to set finances in place. I wanted to have a support system. I wanted to know where I would go. I knew nothing about finances because he had me on a budget. He took care of all the finances managed all that. And then he, even when we were in the States and I needed a job, he made me get a job because, you know, as missionaries, we don't make enough in the U S to, to live off of that. So he had me get a job and I said, well, Hey, I got, I'm getting a job. Can I open a bank account? And he was like, yeah, yeah. It'd be good for you to learn. I'm like, I want to learn. Okay, good. So I opened the bank account, put all the money in it and he lost it. He says, you can open the bank account, but you can't have all that money. No, I get that money. So it was a big argument negotiating how much of my salary that he would take. I think I only got like a third of it at the end, I, you know, but um, it was through the, um, through the thing that I was doing with Leslie that I, I knew that, that I had a right to money, you know, like I began to understand it wasn't all his and he didn't have all the say so. I knew I wanted to be smart about finances. I knew nothing. And so, so I began to... Ed- going, going back just a little bit though, did you, being a Christian and a missionary, mm-hmm. did you have any long-held beliefs that made it difficult for you to recognize you were in a destructive marriage or what your role was as a woman? And if so, what were they and, and how did you work through those? Good question. Yeah, I, well, I did have a strong commitment to not divorcing. Um, that was instilled in me. And that was something that my husband, um, at the time, he reinforced all the time that we can't get a divorce, that that's not okay. You know, God hates divorce and all of that. So 10 years into the marriage is when I was kind of having that sort of emotional breakdown. And he finally agreed to have counseling. And we went back to the U.S. for that. He was okay with us or with me getting counseling because I was the problem and I needed to be fixed. And he actually used those words. Well, if we go, can, we can go back and get you fixed. Right. Okay. <laughs> That's <laughs> like, okay. How sweet. All right. Well, at least we're going back. You know, I did some work with the counselor at the time who was very helpful to me as an individual, but he recognized me to bring my spouse in for some marital counseling. Anyway, when my husband came in, it began to become about that the marital problem was I was not submissive. 
And the counselor would so often say, you know, God has provided you this umbrella of protection. I don't know why you're so hesitant to go under it. So I have a journal from that wow. year. This, the journal, I, I was reading it. At the, I, when I read the journal, I just broke down sobbing at it because at the beginning of the journal, I'm like, this is wrong. This is not okay. Something I can't name it. See, I could not name it as abuse. I could not. Th- those were just not words I could apply to myself. But I could look at it and read it. Something's wrong. At the end of the journal, I was writing, well, I'm the problem. If I would just submit more, I need to just put myself under his protection. What that counselor did, he reinforced a lot of the false Christian narrative of, you know, you just need to be submissive and just pray more. And if you would submit, then he would act right. So it put all the ownership on me for the relationship and it put no ownership on um, my husband whatsoever. So it's like you're, you're responsible for his behavior. Yes. He reinforced that. And uh, uh, yes. And of course my husband at the time loved that. Right. Of course. Yeah. I I would love it too. Actually. (laughs) I was a problem that needed to be fixed. And and I can remember there was somewhere in the middle of counseling, I, I stood up in the middle of the counseling, threw a pillow at the counselor, said, look, I am sick and tired of you working on me, work on him for a change. I'm just sort of done. Wow. Um, how did that go over? Not well. <laughs> <laughs> um, at least it was just a pillow. <laughs> yeah, it did not go well. And, you know, um, and I think they just doubled down on efforts that um, I was the problem. Well, and I think too, I know Leslie talks about how when we lose it, mm-hmm. you know, throwing things or hitting or yelling or screaming, yeah. then it's so much easier to focus on us because we'll look at yes. her, look what she's doing. And then because we have lost it, we start thinking, well, gosh, maybe they're right. Maybe I am the problem because, yeah. you know, we are sinners too, but that just really does fuel their fire and their give them more ammunition to point the finger at us. Yeah, it does. And so, but, but what that did, that was at the 10 year mark in my marriage. So when we went back overseas, I went back with the idea that it's all up to me. This relationship is all dependent on me. And if it doesn't work, it'll be my fault. You know, it's dependent on my submission and my prayers so it really, that, that year of poor counseling really set me up for quite a bit. Tell me about the emotion and the weight, the pressure that that put on you, because I'm sure that there's somebody listening that is feeling that as well and can relate. First of all, it was very isolating because I looked at my marriage and knew it was failing. And so I felt like a failure. I I took all that responsibility and blame onto myself. And so that was so isolating. It created a great deal of shame at, at my being able to talk about it. I would refer to my marriage. Yes, we have a difficult marriage, but yeah, we're, we're both working on it where I knew that I was the only one that was working and it was failing because apparently whatever I was doing was not working emotionally. I can just remember, I mean, I learned to sob without making a sound, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the apartments that we lived in overseas were so small. I was, sometimes I would just take a shower so I could cry and just mm-hmm. let it all out. It was quite a lot of pressure. It's a lot of sadness. I think the question that came to me is God, are, are you good? Are you here? Do you see me? And what happened was because God was all that I had, 
overseas, I'm like, okay, God, I, I'm not seeing how this is good. I'm not seeing how you're good in this, but you're all I got. So I'm just going to jump off this cliff and grab onto you. And when you show me you're not good, then I'm done hmm. here too. Okay. You know? wow. <laughs> um, but of course that's been decades and God is still showing me that he is good and faithful. And that was probably the best decision in there. So I think God began helping me grow strong internally, although I was still naming it incorrectly. I did empower to change and Leslie really helped me to name things correctly mm-hmm. so I could begin to address it. But I still, even though I was growing stronger, I was still naming things as my fault and naming things that if only I would, or if I could. And my husband was so great at reinforcing it. Yeah. I like how you're loving me now. You're doing so much better. Oh my (laughs) gosh. (laughs) I want to throw a pillow at him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I funny, I have notes that he wrote me and they're all about that. Oh, you're doing so much better at loving. You're doing so much, you know, but that's how I was trying to work. I was trying to be more loving and, mm-hmm. you know, be more submissive and be more whatever, uh, but it wasn't working emotionally. It sounds it like done. there was a real lack of that um, mutuality and reciprocity that Leslie teaches. Oh yeah. There was no mutuality. It was all on me. No reciprocity. Like it, it was as simple as this. Like when I would get sick, he somehow got sicker, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's every man. Come on. (laughs) I'm like, there's no visible sign of you being ill, but he, he, um, he was sure he felt worse than me. And so I would still have to take care of the food and the kids. It was still up to me. Mm. Right. So yeah, definitely none of, none of those things, no freedom, no reciprocity, no mutuality, no sense of my own thoughts. And when I look back, I'm like, I'm still amazed that I was able to, to leave. (laughs) you know, but, um, God is good that way. He's faithful. Tell me about how you found Leslie, how far along were you in your marriage and how did you find her teaching? Okay. Um, that's a great story. So I was, um, like 25 years into my marriage. So, um, I was taking the Christian counseling education foundation certificate course because of course I'm, I'm, I'm constantly trying to grow and work on myself. Right. Um, I think I had an understanding. The only person I can change is me. And so I was constantly working, but I was trying to change myself in a way that would save my marriage. Right. It wasn't necessarily a healthy way to go about it. So, but in one of those classes, Ed Welch, I was taking his marriage class and he had Leslie as a guest speaker for 30 minutes. And I heard her for those 30 minutes and I'm like, whatever that woman's got, I want, I want, I want to find, I want to find her. I'm just like, I heard her and I'm like, I I think I found someone who understands me and gets me. I think, I think this is what I need. And so um, I began looking online and I discovered the conquer. Unfortunately, conquer was closed. I don't know how conquer, if it's still just sort of join, but at that time, she does, she, she opens it twice a year. So I began with empower to change. And then I joined conquer. I'll never forget the first phone call in empower to change and, and, um, sharing a bit. And, and Leslie saying, he sounds like a narcissist. I'm like a narcissist. What? <laughs> like, what is that? <laughs> what are you oh my about? gosh. You know, and then her next somewhere in there was Roby, you've got to stop pretending. And I'm like, I'm pretending. What am I pretending about? Like, I didn't even, I couldn't even see it. 
Um, so that was that, that six month class was the beginning of, wait, I, I am pretending. And, and his, he he had gotten into my head so much and just having to rework that. And um, tell me, tell me about what you were pretending. What did you discover? I guess some oh, of those I, aha, of those aha moments. Oh my gosh, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I think the biggest, well, not the biggest. There's so many. I had one aha was just really that the way he was treating me was not okay. Um, that was just an aha to me. It was another big aha that the way I was responding by trying to submit and be more loving was not actually helping. That was a disruptive aha moment, um, mm. but I, I welcomed it. I like um, that, a, a disruptive aha moment. That's yes. good. And I, I think, you know, the other aha was that I had choices. I could yeah. make choices that didn't fall under my husband's approval, right? Mm. I, had, I had other choices to make, you know, and, and I really had to fight for that. Cause he would say things like this. Like I can remember one time making chocolate chip cookies, putting pecans in it. And he asked me, why are you putting pecans in it? I'm like, I like pecans. No, you don't. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I do. No, no, you don't. I don't know why you're putting them in there. You don't like them. You've never liked them. Wow. Um, and I'm like, I've always liked them. So for me having my own fault and making my own choices. I really had to fight for that and stuff. So those were, yeah, some of my aha moments and just an aha that maybe just maybe God was bigger and better than I knew that he had a plan that didn't involve my submission to someone who was intent on harming me. That was a wonderful aha. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, okay. Could that really be? You told me, I guess it was around this time that you were taking Empower to Change or you were in Conquer mm-hmm. that you had that moment where you're trying to go to lunch and your husband got mm-hmm. physical really with the door. Tell me how you learned to handle that different. I mean, did you end up going to lunch? And I guess the process of waking up to where you became strong enough to start making some decisions. You did go to lunch? I did that day. Um, it was, I was further along. I think I think one of the the greatest tools that I I absolutely, well, there's two, Leslie has a couple of great tools, is one is when you talk about your core person. And I just really grabbed onto that. I would say, who do I want to be? I can be who I want to be no matter what my circumstances are. So who am I going to be? Who is that person? And um in the beginning, I just didn't even know. It was really a challenge to even come up with who am I? Who do I want to be no matter what my circumstances are? That was so helpful. And I, the other thing that was incredibly helpful that I learned from Leslie was to challenge the thoughts I told myself. I, I'll never forget her saying, not everything you think is true. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, no, I thought it, it's true. You know? Of course it is. How could you even like say that? But I think part of the process that God had prepared in me was to have a heart of humility, right? I I think that's key. Like it's not a heart of humility that um, carelessly submits. It's a heart of humility that says, okay, maybe what I think about me is not true. Maybe I can learn something better. Maybe I can grow in a new way. And I'm like, Lord, I want all of that, whatever that is, give that to me. 
And so she has that thing, you know, what is the situation? What were you thinking? What were you feeling? Right. What were the, you know, what were you telling yourself? And then the column of, is it true? Is that true? I still use that. I, I, I still teach that to people. I'm like, you've got to do this. This is like a Powerful. great, but yeah, because it challenged what I knew to be true. And I think um, coming at that with humility, I'm like, Lord, I think this is true. And, but I don't know how to get there. Help me get there or help me to find that. Help me to find that strength um, to do that. And um, that, that was super powerful for me in terms of getting stronger is finding the truth of who I am, finding the truth of who God says I am and surrounding myself with people who are affirming that, which is the brilliance of conquer and empower to change is I, I have friends that I've met through that, that are just dear friends, yeah. you know, that are still with me. I have one that always says, Roby, remember, you've got choices. I'm like, yeah, I have choices, you know. And the other one is, Roby, hold on to the truth of who you are. Who are you, right? Who is that core person? I, those two things I go to all the time. They really helped me grow and find the strength of who I am to see clearly, right? And as I began to seek what was really true, you know, the blinders started coming off. And I began to see what was happening with my husband, I began to have compassion for him because I could see how he was trapped. And, and as I got stronger to set boundaries with him, like, no, I'm not going to do that. And I, I love the phrase. Um, I think Leslie said it is the most loving thing that you can do sometimes is set a hard boundary. And I knew that the boundaries I was setting was saying, look, what you're doing is not right. And I will no longer allow you to treat me that way. And he just, he never repented. He never changed. And so, which ended up me completely separating. I moved to a different state as a matter of fact, but yeah, it was all those things and commitment to truth. I think one of the things that might be difficult to hear for somebody Mm -hmm. who's listening Mm -hmm. is the idea of having empathy for this person who's abusing you. How in the world did you come to have empathy for him? That, that was a God thing. I, 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 let me share this. There was a, a year, I forget when it was, kids were grade school. And I remember going to a mission conference and they were talking about suffering. And I can remember being divided up into a prayer group, right? And the women were talking about, oh, could you pray for, you know, my Aunt Sally's Labrador I, I mean, things like right, that. Right, you know? right. And I was sitting there and I can remember saying, Lord, I hate my husband. I hate him with the utmost passion. I really do. And how, how, how am I going to sit here in this meeting and tell these women that's what I need prayer for? Wow. Because I hate him. That was an intense thing in me. Like, I, I, I just, I, if I'm going to be blunt and honest, I, I don't like anything about him. I don't like him. And I have an intensity of hatred for him. Um, and so the work kind of began then. Okay, like, but okay. wait, did you actually come and say that as your prayer request? No. Okay, that was like, that, that would have taken some time. I want to know what their reaction would have been. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I'm like, this is between God and me. <laughs> I, I guarantee you there would have been some other ladies that would have been like, I hate mine too. <laughs> there, there may have been, but, um, but, but that began was, and, and it's part of 
the question of who do I want to be? Do I want to be somebody that hates with the utmost hatred, right? No, that's not, not who I am or, nor who I want to be. And so, I mean, that was 20 years before I heard Leslie. So I, it, it was a very lengthy process to get to that point of, okay, I, I can see his woundedness. Do I still have bouts where I really, really can't stand him? Yes, I do. <laughs> you know, but overall that sense, if I can really center myself, I can have that empathy for him. But it was hard fault and it took, you know, it took years, if not decades to be there. And, and even now um, that we're divorced and I can sense he, he keeps, uh, once a year he calls and he's trying to get back into my life. Um, like I had a surgery. He actually literally called for my birthday and apologized for not being there for my surgery, which was six months earlier. And it was his way of trying to say, Oh, look at me. I'm so wonderful. Don't you want to get back together? And I just simply said to him, I said, you know what? You don't need to apologize. It's not your place to be there for me for a surgery. Empathy doesn't come or ush or gush or flow freely. It's, right. it's a decided moment like, oh, I'm feeling like I really just want to smack him. <laughs> that feeling is over me. Like I want to hang up the phone on him, but, but I, but it does take that, that kind of centering God. That's not who I want to be. And I can have it for a little bit, but no, it's not consistent. It's not perfect, but it's growing. And, but it's because let me just say this, Julie, it's because I can draw a boundary and say, no, you can't be a part of that. You know, you can't be in that part of my life. No, you're not expected to be. And, and because I have those boundaries and I'm very confident in them and very comfortable with them, and he knows that I have that strength, that enables me too. So it's, it's, it's not one or the other. I you know, it takes growing and having that strength and those boundaries to be able to have that empathy. Did he ever so. say anything to you as you began getting stronger that he noticed a change as you began <laughs> to change that dance? He actually said to a counselor once she's getting too strong. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, that was before I knew that you shouldn't do marital counseling in an abusive relationship, but, um, <laughs> because he was using everything that he found out right against me yeah. um, and stuff. So no, yeah, he, he did not like it. He thought that I was getting too strong, but for him saying those words made sense because I should be submissive. Mm -hmm. And if I'm getting strong, then I'm failing because I'm not being submissive. Right. So that made sense to him. Um, it's, it was laughable to me, but I'm yeah, like, because no, sub submitting and weakness aren't necessarily synonymous. No, they're not, but he felt they were. So you're a missionary. You've been married mm -hmm. for 30 years and yeah. I, I know the missionary world and they're not always real supportive when you decide to divorce. How did your circle of friends and missionaries and respond to you when you finally said enough? Oh, that, that's a good question and a painful journey. So we had come back to the U.S. Part of our, uh, we were here for a year. Part of our assignment was vetting new personnel to go overseas. 
And we were vetting them on their marriages, like asking about their marriages. And I can remember saying uh, to my husband at the time, uh, we're doing this vetting and our marriage is really not where it needs to be. You know, before we go overseas, I think we should address things. And I'll never forget. He said to me, I guess you don't want to go back overseas. I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what I said. But when I realized I was meeting someone hard and determined not to change, mm-hmm. um, and I was getting stronger, I was doing all the conquer calls in my closet, you know, <laughs> yep, yep. amidst my shoes and underneath my clothes, <laughs> like, um, I was getting stronger and, and it was escalating, right? I, I had enough awareness to know that he is getting more threatening, like he, he's getting more power stances and more bodily threatening and, um, and pushing the door on me. And so I had moved to a separate bedroom in the apartment and I was leaving a lot to go back um, to my home state to care for my mom. And um, so the problem at work was we had cubicles and he was the one who chose our cubicles and he chose ours facing each other. So he could see me all the time at work. It was getting harder and harder at work. He was taking credit for things that I was doing. And, you know, it was just, I was getting fearful physically, which I had never experienced before. Right. Mm -hmm. That that was sort of new. And I knew that I was going to leave. And it, it was just like, I knew I needed to tell someone, right, right, that this was all going on. So I picked the guy who was the most counselor-like, who was the most empathetic that I would get. And I told him, and he really did get it. He did. And he he did. did. Like, I want to say, like, the handful of men that I was working with were wonderful. Awesome. It was the policies of the organization that really messed it up right right okay so he was like telling me he's like well Roby you know that we're gonna have to tell the supervisor would you like me to go with you and I'm like yeah we can tell him so we told the supervisor within two hours it had reached the VP and we were asked to clear our offices and and to to exit the building you're kidding me I am not kidding you so it's written in the policies and procedure if abuse is discovered in the home both are fired Wow. Right. It's not like, oh, we have empathy for the one who's being abused. So but what they did, um, they, they didn't fire us like right there on the spot. They And the thing that they did well was they protected me f- from my husband knowing it was me that initiated this. OK, right? that was my concern is how did you go home with him? Right. So, well, and that was another thing. Right. They're sending me home with him. Right. Like, come on. Did, yeah, you know, exactly. They asked him, are you and Roby separated? And he said, no, of course not. And I had told them that we were. So he lied to them on a number of levels and they were aware of that. But then they asked us to go see a counselor. That was not to help us. That was to assess whether or not we should be fired. Wow. We were both considered full-time employees, but we only got one check and in his name. What? Yes. So I had no understanding or uh, uh, access to our finances because of that. But but anyway, so we saw the counselor and I told the counselor, honestly, I said, well, you, and they're wanting to see, are you willing to reconcile? That was their standard. If you're willing to reconcile, then, then we don't have to fire you. And I told him, I said, look, if he genuinely changes and repents, 
And I get to see that over the next three to five years that he has truly changed. Then maybe possibly I'll consider spending the next three years looking at maybe reconciling. (laughs) Absolutely. He said, okay, I can put that down as you're willing. Right. I'm like, good. As long as you understand it. Um, Isn't it amazing though, that they, they want you to be willing to reconcile with an abusive man so that you can stay in ministry. Yeah. It just blows my mind. So I could tell in my husband that things were, he was getting more and more dangerous. So I, and I had all along, I had spoken to a lawyer I just accepted in faith. Okay, I'm smart. God gave me a brain. I'm going to, I'm going to be smart. So I had a lawyer. I had a plan to take half of the finances and all of that. Um, because I knew that that moment um, when they asked us to go home, that that was going to change. And it did. He, he got in, increasingly more agitated. But what he did, that was another infuriating thing. He walked in and told, and he retired us. They didn't even ask me to be present. He retired both of us so that we could leave without him losing face. And right. he never so he, mentioned to you that he was going to do this. No, I had no idea. So I was just told that our retirement date was January 31st. We would work from home until then. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to work from home with him. So I, mo- I moved out and it was done. Did that uh, impact your relationship with God, your experience in an organization like that? Oh no, I've learned God is good. Organizations are not always. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. Yeah. I, I think, I think um, from the counselor that we had at that 10 year mark where he kept telling me to be submissive. It was during that time I, that I started questioning God, are you good? And, and that's when I came to see he's so much bigger than any church authority, any church, any organization, and he is good. Um, So that carried me through the, to weather the other storms that came along. That's awesome. Did you lose friendships? Oh, yes. (laughs) Yes. I had, you know, I had the one, like one that the the most hurtful one was really don't ask me to pray for you. You're just asking me to pray for you. So I will pray for you and sanction your divorce. And I won't do that. (laughs) Okay. You don't need to pray for me. You know? it, yeah, it, it was, there were people who didn't, didn't get it, didn't know how to relate to me. It was so hard going in churches yeah. because I hated telling them what I did. Like if I was visiting a church as a single, oh, well, what do you do? Well, you know, I was a missionary. I'm looking for work. Oh, you're a missionary. Is your husband joining us? No, no, he's not. <laughs> you <know? laughs> you <need> to be glad. <laughs> you know? Um, so that, that was, yeah, it was, the whole thing was hard. Um, but I had some really good friends that stuck with me. Most of them were in Conquer. That's awesome. And I do, I I know that that is really one of the biggest benefits of Conquer is that Mm -hmm. community because especially for some of our women that are in ministry and Mm -hmm. in these organizations, they are losing friends who may not understand that you're gaining this wealth of a community mm-hmm. who really do. Yeah. Yes. What would you say to a woman who believes that if she just changes herself, um, that she just needs to try harder, maybe she has a counselor telling her that, 
that she can save her marriage? I think the lesson that came to me, and it was a hard one to learn, is yes, I could work on me and I can change me. And I can do things that will positively impact and help the marriage. But the marriage takes two people. And if the other person is not also doing those same things of growing and giving to the relationship, it will fail. It's just a hard lesson to learn about marriage that no one person can save it. It always takes two. It's such a lie when they say, yeah, well, you know, marriage fell apart. Well, it always takes two. I believe it takes two to make a marriage grow. One can destroy it on their own. Absolutely. As much as we want to control it, as much as we want to be able to manage it, we cannot. It takes, it takes two. Well, don't you um, think that there's a lot of marriages out there that are still legal marriages and yet they're failed marriages? Oh yeah. Mine was one. Definitely. I can remember my kids saying to me, mom, how can you divorce dad? And I said, he divorced me a long time ago. It's just not on paper. Right. You know, it's, um, he left me emotionally. He left me physically, you know, that was all a long time ago. Um, the one thing I'm most grateful for was God brought me to a place where I was going to trust him no matter what. Mm. Um, because he, I felt like it was just that source I needed. He, he was the strength I needed. He was the wisdom I needed. He was the courage I needed. Um, he was the husband I needed, <laughs> you know, that, that was truly, um, my lifeline was to hang on to him. I'm just at a place where I like who I am and I like where I am and I like what I can bring to other people. I like that I can give and that I can receive. Um, and I never had that before. I, I just was always falling short. I was always being a failure. I was always messing up, always had something I was striving for. So I feel like having done that work, I'm at a place where I just feel kind of at peace with myself, right? Like I can mess up, but oh, well, I'll just learn from that. And next time I won't do that. Um, and I know how to pick friends who are healthy, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, so or who who have grown and I'm in a good work environment. So it, it definitely is worth the work, um, you know, of what, whatever path God has you on, it's definitely worth all of the work. Wow. Well, I think that's just a really positive and powerful way to end mm -hmm. our time mm -hmm. together, unless there's anything else that you wanted to add. I just would love for women to know that they are a beloved daughter. I just love it when Jesus says, take courage, daughter, take heart. Would you want to close in prayer? I'm um, sure. I'll Would do that. Pray for the ladies that might be listening or. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Heavenly Father, we come into your presence and Lord, we remind ourselves that you are good and you are faithful and you are with us every moment. And Lord, I know that you have been with me on an incredible journey and you are still with me. And Lord, I know your compassion for women in hard places, women who are being oppressed, women who are being abused, um, women 
who are just having their dignity stripped from them, Lord. And Lord, I, I just see you so clearly just kneeling down before them and saying, take courage, daughter. You have overcome the world and there is a path. It may be a hard path, but I want to pray for these women, Lord, that, that you would um, open their eyes to the truth, that you would take off any blinders that blind them, that you would fill their hearts with courage to make hard choices. I pray for their wisdom, Lord. You promise that if we ask for wisdom, you give it generously. You're not stingy with wisdom. So I pray that you would give them wisdom. And Lord, for each woman, I pray that you would give her friends, friends who can help her walk in the truth, friends who will help her to take the next best step toward freedom. And it may be freedom in the marriage, or it just may mean freedom from the oppression that is upon them, Lord, that they would find that strength and that courage um, to be who they are. Because I know that these women are women that you have created with a purpose and a design to be impactful in this world, to have vitality, to have freedom, to have life, Lord. And I know that they're um, in positions where that's just being sucked out of them, um, that who they are is just sort of being ripped apart. And so, Lord, I pray for your tender mercies. I pray for your gentleness to, to help them to speak through these lies and help them to find um, their strength, their core, their dignity in you again, Lord. Just for every woman, Lord, um, hold her in safety, hold her near to you. Just give them strength, Lord, and courage. I just thank you that you are faithful. I still remember your word to me. Um, when I first began just thinking that my marriage was falling apart, your word says, oh, afflicted one, storm tossed and not comforted. Behold, I will set you on a firm foundation. And you do, you promise to set us on a firm foundation. You see the affliction, you see the storm tossedness, you see the, all the, the weariness, Lord. And so I pray that this day for every woman who is listening, that you would encourage and strengthen her heart, that you would lead her on a path that would help her to find you and to find truth and to find freedom. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's all for this episode of Relationship Truth Unfiltered. But you'll be happy to hear that Leslie has just opened the doors to her Moving Beyond People-Pleasing course. This is a life-changing opportunity if you struggle with saying yes when you really want to say no, over-functioning while everyone else around you under-functions, if you have a fear of conflict or dread disapproval, and if you feel manipulated but don't know how to stop it. This course will even have a special bonus to help you move beyond broken trust. Sign up now through July 1st. Find out more at leslievernick.com forward slash people pleasing course. And until next time, may God bless your mind, your heart, and your home.